0: me introducing your guests. Your first guest this week is this week's smart person, Dr. Shama Rangwala, the uh, founder of Science Magazine, and I hope I said that right, and uh, currently lecturing at the U of A in the women's, women's and Gender Studies Program. Shama, thank you for being with us. <laughs> so, hey so yeah. also with us, so Shama, I know you, you're muted right now. Are you intentionally muted?
1: Okay, I'll on. I'll unmute.
0: there you go okay so shama um you and i know each other because we do tv on occasion yeah. together here in edmonton um this is a bible story uh thing um did you grow up with any kind of religion or anything like that what was your experience of this growing up
1: So i would say you know these stories are in the culture um i had a Binder, I remember on a bookshelf in my house with all of these old stories so I definitely was familiar with them growing up but what I remember of Jonah is uh just the whale and revenge and and yeah and all of that kind of stuff but but I didn't actually re-familiarize myself for this so it'll be
0: fresh that's 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 probably for the best and I mean Jonah is one of those stories that like people are almost damagingly familiar with like in some ways you almost have to like pull some nonsense out of people's heads in order to hear what the story is actually about um because the whale is going to play a very important but still relatively minor role in this the the whale in this story is is like alec baldwin's part in glengarry glen ross like he's only on scene for like a couple of minutes but those minutes kill Um, So, Charles, you have a little bit of a story. You are kind of probably really familiar with this stuff, right?
2: Yeah, I am familiar with uh, the story growing up. Uh, you know, a Christian family. But to be honest, like, a lot, there's a handful of Bible stories that, for a lot of my life, I I remember uh, mem- like uh, remembered in sort of a Veggie Tales format. If that <laughs> makes sense, like, yeah, I didn't really take it that seriously. Just kind of would be like, oh, yeah, like that, that guy that got swallowed up by a fish, that's really scary. Like, And then luckily the fish let him go, but I didn't, you know, I didn't realize that, uh, that there's, like, more meaning packed behind there until, <laughs> until more recently that, like, oh, maybe he was doing, you know, he was being a little pleb and he deserved it.
0: <laughs> so by, by show of hands, how many of you, when you hear this story, imagine the roles being played by vegetables? <laughs> yeah okay <laughs> and that's that's fine you know i'm a little bit older so this uh the kind of veggie tales thing happened when i was in college and uh and it was hilarious because i just remember like my college buddies one of the things that they like to do was get high and watch veggie tales which didn't weren't things that, <laughs> they weren't things that, that that went along together for me but but for them that they they were so uh
2: it's almost like they're trying to cancel out like their bad deeds of smoking weed by then this redemption yeah, yeah, yeah. process of watching vegetarian <laughs> yeah
0: yeah yeah getting high is fine as long as i'm getting high and learning about the bible right yeah exactly
2: <laughs> but i
0: don't know we're uh yeah i mean all substance all these substances are legal nowadays so do what you will like i'm i'm currently i have a ginger beer going on right now if whatever bre- beverages or substances you brought to the table by all means Uh, bring him in. So um, that's where we're going to go. So I am going to tell the story of Jonah now uh, as best I can and uh, leave this at that. And then, uh, so yeah, if everybody wants to mute up um, other than uh, Charles and you can interrupt me at any time, if you have a question or you want to talk about things, but we'll uh, we're definitely going to have a break in the middle because we need to kind of, Address some stuff. So this is the story of Jonah. I need to switch things because no offense, I love you all, but your faces are distracting. So, um, so this is how the story starts. So the word of the Lord came to Jonah, son of Amittai, saying, "Get up, go to Nineveh, the great city, and call and get out against it, for their evil has risen before me." Now there's a couple of pieces of background information that you guys need to have that our ancient friends might've had when they heard this story, uh, that we need to have, if we're going to hear this story, I think, uh, in a similar fashion to what they had. So, uh, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. Jonah was, as he calls himself later in the story, a Hebrew and, and, and a Hebrew in the time was, they were a unique culture, uh, because they only had one God creator of the heavens and the earth and the sea. And, uh, that wasn't the most unusual thing about them, but they believed that their god had given them an instruction, uh, a Torah, a, a law, and it outlined how they were supposed to live and how they were supposed to manage their society. And in addition to that, it outlined like benefits to doing the right things and and consequences of doing the wrong things. Right. So if you allow equal uh, access to the justice system for people regardless, so you turn of, it up of economic can status.
2: can as loud as you can get. Okay. <laughs> I think your that mom's was, joining
0: I'm the out. chat. <laughs> so if, oh, there we go. Okay, so uh, if you've, uh, so yeah, if you provide equal access to the justice system for everybody regardless of economic status, that's good. Good things will happen because of that. If you only allow access to the justice system for the rich, that's bad and all of you will be smited. Right. So there's this kind of like benefits and consequences, blessings and curses outlined there. And and within that structure, there was people who got the word of the Lord. They were called prophets and prophets. The job of a prophet was to remind people of what they ought to have known from the instruction and to remind them of the consequences and the, 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 the benefits of following it. So that's Jonah's role in the story. But what makes this interesting is Nineveh. Nineveh was a massive city and not a Hebrew city. Nineveh was the capital of Assyria, which to that point in world history was the largest empire in world history and the most violent empire in world history to that point. Um, All empires are violent by their very nature, but the Assyrian empire of which Nineveh was the capital was especially violent and unique in their glorification of violence. They loved it. And their king's Bragged about how violent they were. So we have extra biblical historical sources of Assyrian kings uh, bragging about beheading all of their enemies and 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 dragging their guts out and like carrying the heads of sons around. And and uh, one of the one of the the Assyrian kings bragged that not only did he he destroy a city, raise it to the ground drag it salt the earth so that nothing else could grow there he also dragged the the bones of the of the dead former kings of this city out and scattered them along the road on his way back to Assyria so this was one of the most violent empires in the world it was absolutely insane I'm trying just to give a, a couple more examples they yeah they had the that one of the things that they, that they said is that the, the, the road to Nineveh was lined with the heads of rebels, like anybody who rose up against them. And Assyria's main uh, economic uh, driver was plunder. That was their kind of like the way oil and gas works in Alberta. They have plunder. So they would go to your country, take all of your stuff, install their leaders and then bring all of the good stuff back and leave you impoverished, completely unlike any empire today. But that was how the years <laughs> worked. Which makes it, so that was Nineveh. So these two things ought not to go together. So when we hear that, and we hear the word of the Lord coming to Jonah, son of Amittai, that he he should bring the word of the Lord to Nineveh, who had oppressed and destroyed his people. It's not surprising that the first thing that, J- that Jonah does is not to go to Nineveh, but rather goes down to the shore, buys passage on a boat, and tries to travel to the farthest city away from Nineveh as he could possibly get in the known world, which then was Tarshish. Now, Story goes on. As soon as he gets on the boat, very quickly after he gets on the boat, they end up in a storm. The storm is extremely bad. We're told in the text that the the storm is so bad that the boat is in danger of of breaking up and and sinking. So naturally, the crew members of uh, of this on this ship who are from all over the world, they start to panic and they start to cry out to their gods and they're throwing all of the cargo on the ship overboard. And while all of this chaos is happening, Jonah is on the bottom of the ship asleep. And the captain comes down and finds a sleeping Jonah and says, hey, what are you doing here? We're going to die. Cry out to your God and he might have mercy on us. And then he goes back up and they keep going. And, and the story tells us that, that all of these kind of polytheistic international crew, they're crying out to their own gods and, and they can't get out of the storm and they're going to die. So what they do at this point is that they choose to basically draw straws. What they say is that, like, let's figure out who is to blame for this circumstance that we're in? Which one of us is God? Uh, is the God mad at? And then we'll solve the problem. So they draw straws and it lands on Jonah. Now they look at Jonah and they're like, so what's your deal? And Jonah says, well, I'm a, I'm a Hebrew uh, and I worship the God who made the land and the sea and the sky, which confuses them already because they're like, that's at least three, if not more gods um what, what what's going on there but he says i worship this one god and he told me to do a thing and i didn't do it and now we're in trouble and they're like okay so what should we do and he says you need to throw me overboard and then you'll be fine now <laughs> the the and i and i absolutely love the way the story portrays these crew members because what the story does is it says that they're kind of like that's a plan and we'll go to that later if we need to. But their first shot is to try and row to shore. So they try and row to shore, but that doesn't work. And finally they give up and they say, okay, Jonah, we're going to throw you overboard. And they take Jonah, they throw him overboard, and it says immediately the sea ceased its fury. Now, it's interesting what happens next because then all of these Crew, then because they're just like, okay, this thing worked, they it says that they they feared Jonah's God and they made sacrifices to Jonah's God and then they made vows to Jonah's God because they're like, let's let's figure this thing out. What's interesting is that they made sacrifices, um, and we don't know what those sacrifices were, but why were those things not thrown overboard as well? That would be one of the first things that I would throw overboard were I clearing a ship, but
2: but also it's like if you're making sacrifices. Without knowing the Hebrew text, what do you do? Do you just burn (laughs) stuff and you're like, that guy, the guy that that guy prays to. This is for that guy's guy. Like (laughs) That seems to be exactly what they're
0: doing. It's like, I don't know, let's just... (laughs) what should we, like, you know, like, I'm sacrificing, like, maybe there was, like, some grain. They're like, let's set this thing on fire and, like, whatever made this thing that we didn't, like, stop, like, this is for you. Kudos. Yeah. Keep doing the the things
2: we like. Kind of like like just sending a blank check out, hoping the person (laughs) finds it, like, that it belongs to. Yeah, just a a
0: generic thank you card. Um, (laughs)
2: Yeah.
0: So, what the Bible then says is that Immediately after the seas calm, and immediately after the sacrifices were made, God sent a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah spent three days and three nights in the innards of the fish. Now, if you are familiar with the actual text, the next chapter is a poem song that Jonah sings while he's in the belly of the fish. Now, I recorded my own version of this song, it's basically like an r&b ballad from the 90s but sung by a white guy which means it's a country ballad from the 90s and it uh and uh but i just didn't have time for it all to come together and the the saxophone uh solo wasn't sent in in time to get it all worked out to play for you but ultimately the basic crux of the song is like you know those songs that, that seem to be very popular in the 90s where the singer of the song would say, I know I've been terrible, but you should take me back anyway. Like that was a thing for a while. Where it was like, Hey baby, (laughs) like, I know I stole your car. And and then I pooped in your car. And then I made love to that other woman in your car. I should have done those two in different orders, I think. But anyway, (laughs) but you should take me back, you know, like that. You know, and if you take me back, I will I will do right next time. I will never steal your car and poop in it again.
2: Um, the 90s, that 90s charm, you know? Yeah, you exactly. You can hit a girl, but if you write a good poem after, then it's okay.
0: <laughs> well, and it went the other way too, where sometimes it would be the guy being like, I know that you were terrible to me, but I still want you back. Like, I know that you shot my dog, <laughs> you know? And oh, I know yeah. that you stole all my money. <laughs> But baby I just want you back please please come back to this me is the
1: the kind of genre of song you would write isolated in a uh, the belly of <laughs> the whale so yeah. it's like all of the regrets like you have a lot of time to think because <laughs> you're it's you know it's like our, our current quarantine time yeah. but but isolated in a whale
0: yeah 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 exactly I don't know how good the Wi-Fi was in the belly of the whale um, but I'm assuming not great. <laughs> <laughs> so he's in the innards of the fish and he, so he says, so he has his, uh, so he writes this r song of the Lord and the last line of it basically says this, uh, basically says this, uh, that, that what I vowed, let me pay, but rescue is in the hands of the Lord. And then the Lord spoke to the fish and the fish vomited Jonah onto dry land. And that's the end of the fish. Um, so I'm going to pause for a minute now. Everybody can come back in if you have any specific questions. But I think we just need to put the fish behind us. Does anybody have any specific fish-related statements or comments that they would like to make before we move on to the next part of our story?
2: Was was fish a generic term back then that could mean whale? Or said, was this like a giant tuna, like the world's <laughs> biggest tuna?
0: So the Hebrew is, is, is generic, you know, like Hebrew didn't have a lot of words for sea things because actually the word in Hebrew for sea then was also the same word for chaos. They didn't trust the ocean at all. It was like only bad things happened there. So, (laughs) so they're like fish. And then what we've done in our era has been like, well, the only fish big enough to swallow a human would be a whale. And it, and actually, there's been like so many like bad church scientific scientific studies where they've tried to be like, "Hey, this whale is big enough for you to be inside of and survive." <laughs> and we have this one story of that guy that nobody can find who was like, he was in a whale for 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 two and a half days, <laughs> but yeah, so somehow just, somehow it's resisting trying. digestion. <clears throat> yeah uh adam you can either show up on camera or you can ask a question about the fish you are you're on chat did it really happen or was it a metaphor (laughs) well we don't actually know that the story acts as if it happens but the the reality is uh the kind of story that this is i would argue it's not trying to be a scientific text um it could be a metaphor or could have actually happened it's like a lot of Mythical stories in that way. There's a lot of biblical scholars who take the Bible seriously that believe that Jonah, rather than having the uh, aspects of a of a historical book like Samuel does, um, has the aspects of a mythological text. So I'm not going to answer that question.
1: <laughs> well, it also makes so much sense that the word for sea and chaos is the same. When this is all mm. about, like, religion is about kind of sense making. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm just thinking about, like, depictions of Jonah and the Whale in art, like, it's so painted, like, over and over again, because it's, like, trying to, you know, it's, like, man versus nature or whatever, but with this Bible story.
0: And it's an amazing scene, right? Like, there's no way, like, really, like, because what I'm going to get to later is that I think that the main thrust of the story is really about... Oppre- the response of the oppressor to uh, of the oppressed to the oppressor and, and those kind of violence things but it has this scene where a dude gets swallowed by a whale and if we were giving notes to the writer of Jonah to God and we're like God I can I give you a note on this like people are going to get really caught up in the fish thing and maybe like miss the point like maybe we can like figure out another way to have them like last three days but you know um, the fish is a great hook, I think that we can all agree.
2: <laughs> well, because c- yeah, it's really, it's just easy to to imagine how terrible that would be. I guess <laughs> that's the point, right? Yeah, like, man, that would not be fun to be in a fish. Well, and the metaphor is really for the grave,
0: right? Because they use some of the words are, are similar to the words that they used for grave, right? And that was the great in, in the Old Testament. The greatest fear was that you would go down to Sheol, which was pit, and that that would be the end, right? So all of those things are are in there. The going into the the fish was the same as like going into the grave. But then, you know, three days later, he comes out of the grave, which is you know metaphorical for something else that some people have latched onto. Um, and the
1: point you know, of these stories is to get people into god right to be yeah. like this guy is really powerful you think the sea is chaos you know you think if you get eaten by a by a fish you're donezo but then you know it shows yeah. you know, how powerful god has control over everything not just not as you say not just the land or not just the air or whatever yeah
0: yeah absolutely it's very much a story about being like this thing that you're afraid of god's in charge of that too you yeah. know um which was interesting because the thing that most people were afraid of at, at this period of time was being murdered by the Assyrians. So uh, we're going to jump back into the story. And uh, so immediately after he's vomited on a dry land, and that's the actual word is vomited, which is, I love that imagery of like, it's not like a gentle opening and like waltzing out. It's like, a, anyway, you got to be gooey and stuff. Um, so the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time and uh, saying, get up and go to Nineveh, the great city, and call out against it for their, e- for their evil has risen up against me. And I, and I didn't point this out earlier. The idea of one person, one Hebrew person going to Nineveh and just like telling them that what they're doing is wrong is laughable on its face to anyone who heard this story in context. There's a scholar named Robert Alter, a Jewish scholar, who said, and I'm paraphrasing a little bit because he he named a different comedian, but this is the equivalent of like sending Mark Maron into 1936 Berlin to tell the the the, the government of Journey to Germany to calm down a little bit, right? <laughs> so you can imagine that that Jonah is about to take a very similar undertake a very similar task.
2: So I have, I have a quick question about yeah. like, do you think that uh, him running away from uh Nineveh was was that like a demonstration of his lack of faith in God? Or was he did he fear God but also feared these people even more? Like
0: we're actually gonna have an answer to that question a little later on. Okay. So yeah. uh I want you to if if it's okay, can you hold on to that and we'll we'll yeah. we'll visit that after we're done? Because Jonah actually gives a very clear answer why he doesn't want to go um a little bit later on in the story so uh bible says that uh, so that he he it's a long time to get there but the bible says that he gets to Nineveh Nineveh is a great city it says it's a huge city it says that it's three days to walk across don't do the math on that okay that is not uh, a thing that stands up to math nobody was it wasn't the intention of the story nobody was google mapping the direction the quickest or, or longest way to walk through Nineveh but anyway it says it's three days walk across Jonah gets to Nineveh And he's there to deliver the word of the Lord. What the Bible says that he walks one day into the city. That's three days wide. He walks one day into the city and delivers one sentence and says, 40 days more, and Nineveh will be overthrown. And then he leaves. That's the only thing that he says. Now, the thing that we're supposed to expect, knowing what's going on, is that the Assyrians would like murder him now, or just laugh at him, or just like, this is a ridiculous thing, or ignore him for the most part. But what the Bible says happens is that immediately after he delivers this one in, like, sentence with no information, right? (laughs) As soon as he says that, the people of the city, rather than being like, this guy's, this is nonsense, the people of this city of Nineveh are like, oh, shit, we better start setting things right. And immediately they start fasting and dressing in sackcloth. doing all of the things culturally associated with with mourning and repenting in their culture this would the only thing that i can think that might be equivalent to, to it is if like you know that guy on white ave some of you aren't from our city but there's a guy on white ave who like yells bible stuff at people and most people for the just ignore him right most people are just like that's a crazy person i'm gonna try and get out of his yelling shot this would be like if one day all of us were like (laughs) <laughs> I, sh- I am going to hell. This is concerning. And just all of a sudden started listening to what that guy said. And this starts to spread so that everyone is, is, is fasting and mourning. And eventually this gets to the king of Nineveh, the, the leader of the Assyrian Empire, the guy who brags about dragging people's bones everywhere, who has carved reliefs of his of his enemies and the, the evil dis- violent things that he's done to him, carved in his into his wall as decoration for his parties. The word gets to him that, like 40 this Hebrew guy showed up and 40 days more and the city is going to be down. And and then the king of Assyria goes like, "Oh shit." And he also starts to 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 repent and dress himself in sackcloth and ashes. And then takes it to the most ridiculous extent where he says, uh, not just that 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 he should repent, but that everything in the city is going to repent. No one is allowed to eat anything. Not people, not sheep, not cattle, not any animal. Everything has to be covered in sackcloth, people, animals, everything. And then he says, and maybe, who knows, the Lord might relent and save us. And it says that they did this, which is this amazing idea and image of, of, I don't know how many of you worked on farms, but it's a lot of work to keep animals from grazing. Like, they don't listen that well. So, like, you have to pay a lot of attention to a cow to make it stop grazing. And I don't know if you've ever tried to dress a cat in sackcloth before. Um, but it is not an easy thing to do. You have to cut a tiny sackcloth coat and then you have to somehow fit the cat into the tiny sackcloth coat. And I've seen people try to do this with like nice yarn things. Like sackcloth is designed to be itchy and uncomfortable. So, but like, everybody I imagine like a the birds. Yeah, <laughs> birds. How do you? <laughs> they have an easy way to escape. <laughs> yeah. So and everybody, so everybody repents, and then what the the Bible says is that that God saw their acts of repentance, and then relented from the evil that He was going to do to them. Now at this point, we leave that scene in the in in the city and in the throne room with everybody wearing sackcloth and ashes. And we revisit Jonah. Now, what Jonah had done is he'd gone to the east side of the city to just watch what God had done. And when he saw that God had not done evil to Nineveh in destroying it, uh, the Bible says that, that the, the lack of evil was evil to Jonah. And this is interesting, because Jonah then prays to God, and he's pissed. And he says, like, I knew you would do this. I knew you would leave them alone. I knew the Lord is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and rich in love. Screw you. I am so angry that I want to die. And then he just sits and he's mad because he wants God to rain down fire and brimstone upon Nineveh and he refrains from doing it. So he's sitting there and the the sun's getting hot and he tries to like build himself some sort of tent or shelter to protect himself from the sun. And, and, and he prays to God This like, I knew you were going to leave them alone. I'm so, I'd rather die than go on from this moment. And God says to him the strangest line they write down. God just says, are you good and angry? And then it stops. And then the next thing we see is that Jonah's there overnight. Then he's hot in the sun. And then it says, God caused a leafy plant of some kind to grow. A big leafy plant that grows up and it covers him and it gives Jonah shade. And Jonah's happy about this. He's like, sweet shade awesome uh I wish that this shade would coincide with Nineveh being completely destroyed but like as uh, a backup plan this is fine so he has that for a day and he's super happy about it and then the next day that night it says that God sent a worm to eat the plant and then the plant withers and the plant dies and he has no shade and then it says that the and then the, the, the Bible says that the, the sun got hot and the, the, the east wind slashed at him and he lied down in the ground and was like, I am so angry that I want to die. And God said to him again, are you good and angry? Are you?" He's like, yeah, I'm good and angry. He's like, are you good and angry about the plants? And he's like, yeah, I'm good and angry about the plant. And then the last line of the entire story is this, God turns to Jonah, the man called by God. Uh, to deliver the word of the Lord to Nineveh, he turns to him and says, you you have pity on this plant that grew up over the night and then died the next day. And I'm not supposed to have pity over the city of Nineveh that has 120,000 people in it who don't know the right hand from the left and also many animals. And that's the end of the story. (laughs) (laughs) Drop the mic. Drop the mic. Yeah. (laughs) And it's interesting because like, some of you are thinking... That story doesn't really end, and that's fair. But most Bible stories don't end, so <laughs> I guess I have a couple of questions for you guys. Like, what what do we do with this? Like, yeah,
1: it's also not a great analogy between the plant and the people because Jonah was into the plant because it was giving him food. like that was it had like a use. Yeah. So. It's not like he was like, I love this plant as my brother or something. Yeah. You know.
0: Yeah, it's it's <laughs> it's a very strange analogy, you know. But and I mean, in the story, the character of God makes that makes the comparison that it's like you cared about this thing that you're right was only useful to you. Mm-hmm. Why am I not supposed to care about these people as well? But I can also understand.
1: Does God God only care about those people because they're useful to him because they worship him now?
0: There's a lot of debate over whether or not they actually worship him now, Mm -hmm. right? Because we see this, in some ways, the same story plays out twice. We have the, the sailors from all over the world begin to worship God. And I think Charles pointed that out. It's like, are they actually understanding what's going on? And I think by any standard that Jonah had, or any standard of kind of like orthodoxy that we would understand today, probably not, right? Like it's not what we don't we don't hear that they then went and like, and now we're going to worship Yahweh, and who's up for circumcision, guys? Like that isn't the story that we get, and we also don't get that story in Nineveh, right? Uh, we don't hear that like, and then everybody in the city got circumcised, and then everybody in the city did justice, you know, and. And in fact, they didn't. God eventually, like, well, the, I mean, history tells us that Nineveh was eventually destroyed. Um, but yeah, it's, it is sort of an, an interesting dynamic. I'm really a little bit more interested in what this says about, this story takes place within, a, within uh, 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 the Hebrew Bible, The Bible for Hebrews, a very insular, and what had been to that point, a very insular looking people, right? That all of their stories are about us, you know, in opposition to what's happening outside. And this story is a story about what's happening outside, right? And this is a story where God seems to be saying, like, these people that are attacking you, I also care about them. Which is got to be a tough pill to swallow as an oppressed peoples right mm-hmm. like i can imagine anyway
2: that's like what jesus spends a lot of time hitting home is the attention paid on the gentiles and not just the jewish people right mm-hmm.
0: yeah um but i like this this but i like i don't know how you guys feel about this but do do we feel like the story is kind of like saying like meh what the what the assyrians did is okay
1: so, there's it's interesting because they go from very extreme inequality to an extreme equality where everybody has to not eat, and so it's kind of like both of those things are bad,
2: yeah, yeah, it flattens the playing field, yeah. Well, yeah. What do you mean? They went from sorry, can you say that again? Okay,
1: they, they didn't all have access to the justice system, right? Like, or equal access to the justice, and that was like part of why they were gonna get. Yes,
0: Yes, yeah, smited the <laughs> <laughs> words are fine yeah.
1: yeah um yeah so like that was it was bad because they were so unequal and then their solution was to say okay like nobody eat like not even you know the ox and the f- or the goats and the cats and whatever um and so it's like both of those things are bad though
2: yeah yeah i mean but one is more in jest of like repentance right they're trying to say sorry for the e- evil they're aware of
1: but like the cat doesn't have to a, repent was the cat repenting
2: cat <laughs> i don't know i mean that's to me that's like significant of them demonstrating the fear of of the jewish god which they're trying to just do anything to to like show repentance because yeah, we're always the all cat does.
1: People, right. like because we were born like there's there's that original sin
0: yeah well, original sin doesn't you, you most Jewish scholars would argue the original sin doesn't exist in their scriptures like they would the, the not certainly not certainly the way that we would understand it yeah, that's sort of a that's uh, i would many people would argue that's a Roman Catholic edition later on, but what I do find interesting about this is that it's it is thematic in scripture that the people aren't necessarily separated from the leadership right so one of the things that uh that we like to do now is to say like well the people aren't committing evil their government and their leadership are com- committing evil whereas like throughout the old testament it's like no y'all are right it's 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 all y'all you know y'all you're even if you're not directly participating what we would say is that you're complicit which i mean now I'm stepping into the bounds of, of, of not just telling a story, but commenting on a story. But like, I think that that's an interesting thing for us who believe these stories to think about today, that it's like, I can't just sit here and be like, our systems are unequal and, and be like, Oh, I feel bad about that. I'm going to go back to being on zoom and playing PlayStation. Um, I do have a responsibility for that thematically, you know, anyway.
1: It's true. Like in fairy tales too. some, so many fairy tales and like Disney movies and stuff like that that are based on that or even like Shakespeare stories that are about legitimizing the monarch or the absolute power and that mm-hmm. they're like corrupt administrators or something but yeah. the ultimate authority right is like untouchable is divine um and so yeah these stories are interesting in everybody is is part of you know mm-hmm. the sin of the town
0: I'm going to read Jeff's comment here because I think it's interesting. Uh, he says, uh, I-, I wonder if the city is kind of like the whale and the specifics are less relevant. Maybe more of a story about Jonah, a person having some conflict in his core beliefs and needing to figure out how to justify them. Jeff, do you want to turn on your microphone and maybe
3: clar- expand on that a little bit? Oh, man, that's that's as deep as I get right there. Oh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, I, I guess that's kind of the, It's it seems like the a lot of, uh, a lot of the story that stories that I'm familiar with are kind of, uh, there's a lot of exaggerated or hyperbole or different things like that, that go on and it's, and it's kind of addressing the things that maybe aren't so hyperbolized. And that's like the individual journey, trying to sort out how do I, how do I deal with all these people that in, in my view are like other, in my view are, The opposite of what everything that I'm trying to be uh in my view you know they're they're kind of out there and and then to have the the god that is telling me how I'm supposed to be say that I love them that's like a major conflict or at least say at least say that I I care about them and they have meaning to me the same way that a plant had meaning to you
1: yeah so
3: I think that there it's more maybe about um a story that's um kind of trying to guide a group of people to say you know watch see what, see how this goes for Jonah and this is what this story is teaching I don't know
0: yeah it's not completely insular because I think that that goes to the answer to the question that Charles asked earlier like why did he not go was it because he was afraid to go was it because he was uh you know he didn't want to or you know whatever reason and I think the the answer that the, and and I find this kind of interesting because I always grew up assuming that he didn't go because he was scared to go, but what the text actually says is he didn't go because he didn't want God to forgive them, you know, <laughs> he didn't want he wanted the destruction of Nineveh, and I think that that's a, a a really interesting thing for us to acknowledge as people. I have not, you know, like I have not experienced state-sponsored oppression however i do know what it's like to have nasty things done to me and i don't necessarily want god to forgive those people you know as i understand it i don't want good things to happen to them if i could choose to have fire and brimstone rain down on the house of a person who did something nasty to me i might choose to do that right um you know but but that's not what's offered here we have the 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 oppressed peoples are being really encouraged to step outside of their own hatred, which is
2: tough, you know? It almost seems like there's a little theme of childlike jealousy where your dad's giving some other kid attention and it's like, Hey, that's my dad. Like, (laughs) Oh, he's only allowed to be nice to me and save my life. Like, yeah.
0: Well, and thematically, it, is, it does have echoes of the, the story of the, you know, what we call the story of the prodigal son, right? Where one son goes off and, you know, oppresses empires, and then is like, oh, I feel bad about that. And then comes back, and then the son who was like, I was doing the right thing the whole, the whole time along, why are you throwing a party for the guy who, like, tore down the gardens of Babylon? That's not cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> John Kibble has a comment here that uh, says maybe God is saying, "If hey, I made the plant and take it away. If I hadn't given it to you, you wouldn't have had it to had it. So what are you complaining about? You know." And that, but all of us are like that, right? I think that I think that that's exactly right, John. But I think that all of us are like that, right? We we pretty quickly complain about things that we had no control over and take credit for things that we had no control over, right? <laughs> yeah. So, um. I want to ask a question, and this is pure speculation. We have no evidence of any of this. So I'm going to ask Shama and, and Charles, like, what's the next thing that happens in this story, right? Because, yeah, well, what's the next thing that happens? Because we now we have Jonah, who either, like, lays down and dies in the desert, right? That's one option. Or he's outside <laughs> Nineveh. What happens... If you were writing the story, what happens next? In relation to what we know about, like, the now victim of state-sponsored violence, the, you know, what, is, what does this look like? Do you guys have any guesses or thoughts on what the next scene is?
2: Man, I have no idea. I'm, I'm still just surprised that Jonah has a bit more of a unique response in that he, like, directly disobeys God, which I feel like a lot of other um prophets wouldn't dare do Mm -hmm. so it's it's a weird thing where you believe and have faith in the power and like might of your lord and then don't and and then you don't listen to him it's uh, maybe he was already at a point where he'd like i'd rather have god kill me than see this town forgiven yeah so maybe as a contemporary
0: evangelical i'm completely unfamiliar with anyone who would say that they follow god and then completely ignore everything
2: he says <laughs> no, no that's very <laughs> but then to, that's why i that's why i asked earlier like is that demonstrating his lack of faith hmm. or just like weakness and um and cowardice hmm. but then then i didn't think of what you brought up which was his spite against these and his essentially racism against his foreign nation
0: well, and that's the beautiful part of stories is that we get to like, at some point reader response exists. Like we do have to interact with this, you know? this The story doesn't lay out for us the meaning that we're supposed to take from it. You know, we at some point do have to impose some some meaning on the story. I don't know, you know, I, I took philosophy and literature classes back in the 90s. So I don't know if that's, if that's still in the current academic vernacular, Shama, or if that's a... <laughs> Or... I would
1: just say like I'm always really hesitant to be like what happens next because the story okay. is the story and so when this, like even if it seems like there's no narrative closure with this, I don't know I mean there is something about, I was struck while you were talking about this are you good and angry, mm. like, the repetition of that, and I wonder if, um, I wonder if if we were just, we have maybe an answer is that jonah jonah goes around and he tells this story and he's like mm. listen i spent time inside a fish i had time <laughs> yeah. to think about it. This is what happened you know i saw i saw a plant just grow i saw it eaten by a worm all this stuff happened so you know this guy it's land and sea just <laughs> yeah, <doing
0: it. laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I think that that's very and the, like and not just land and sea, but also like us and the Ninevites. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, you know? it's every, it's everybody.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I I think that that's sort of the the one of the things that I think is very intentional is that like we need to start seeing the inside and the outside group as bigger than this set of people who already hold to every who mm-hmm. bo- already belong to our ethnic group, and I mean so,
1: in Star but, Trek they religions in star trek are like internally coherent and separate right like they're incompatible like you, like you believe in klingon Stovakor. you believe in you know Ferengis and the divine treasury and they're all considered like true right like that's the mm. like kind of liberalism of star trek and right. so with this it's like no actually like those people over there are under the same dominion mm. as this as this one god too and so it kind of sets the stage for like imperialism right i mean that you go forth and proselytize and like convert Mm -hmm. the heathens and and all of that or else they'll get smoten
0: yeah and that's that's the the danger i think that that's what we see we've seen that as uh, that at at our worst then like we've seen people use this story uh, and, and certainly other stories within the canon of the story to, as, as excuses for imperialism, that it's our job to, like, suppress everyone under this, you know, um, but I do, I find it interesting that the story works from the perspective of the powerless, as mm-hmm. opposed to the powerful, and I do think that that makes me, even if it's a, a, only a fairy tale, I do think that that makes it unique among some fairy tales, is that, um, like you said, a lot of those are told to defend the monarch, and mm-hmm. this is, this is, you know, like you could see this in some ways as a piece of, there's a world in which this would exist as a piece of like Assyrian state propaganda, yeah. right? Where they would be like publishing this for the Hebrews and being like, hey guys, your God is totally cool with us, by the way. Like,
1: <laughs> or you can think about it too, is that there are different stories that need to be told for conversion and different stories that need to be told for like maintaining power. Hmm. right and so for like the story of conversion it makes sense to tell it but from the perspective of the most populous group
2: hmm. yeah
1: and you can yeah
2: But uh, yeah i don't know i'm i'm very much you, you know i have i think we all have our own bias or lenses that we look at stories through so i don't know how what it's like to look from a different perspective given a different education or whatever but yeah I don't, I don't I don't look at it as like I my lenses are more from the perspective of the individual first but then I also try to you know because I think a lot of these stories work on different levels the individual of different types and then greater familial and societal and um but also my lens that I look at through given my faith is also I don't see it as like it would, it just seems strange to me if it was just written to try to convert people or, or, uh, reinstate, you know, that sort of, um, Hebrew God, uh, societal power structure mm-hmm. from, so I'm not like, I don't know if I just don't see that, or maybe it hasn't been explained to me a perspective before, but, um, I really relate to it on, like, an individual level of, you know, the trials of Jonah and his jealousy and hatred and mm. how that's misplaced. And then the themes of, of grace that God bestows on not only his own people, but, you know, also the the, the outsiders. And that's kind of like a foreshadowing to the Gospels to me. Yeah. And, uh, and then i guess that uh, the strange little parable at the end which which is pretty interesting of the of uh and given like a god that lives outside of time and time and space and you know given how we describe the hebrew christian god is or you know jewish or christian god at that time even the uh to me the parable works because the to god like whether this plant that Rose in the night and then fell the next day. I mean, to him, that's human civilization. That's humans, even, right? Right. We don't. I mean, I don't know what space God. I don't know how he how he interacts with time and all this stuff, but Mm -hmm. I do know that it's written to him. It's it's all every like the whole our whole existence happens in a day for him, and Mm -hmm. we just go from dust to dust type of thing. So, to to me, that was that was kind of interesting because God gave. A bit of insight to Jonah on, like, you know, I don't know. He didn't say this, but it's kind of like you're you think about this plant, and it's yeah. I don't know how to explain that, but just that. Yeah. That well, of, I
0: I mean there are other lines in the Old Testament which just like the 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 days of humanity are like grass, right? Like that, and one day yeah. blooms and the next day withers. This there's is-
2: there's a lot of like uh, yeah nature plant analogies or or of creation absolutely so this is the oh sorry go ahead
1: i was just gonna say what charles brings up i think is really important um in terms of thinking about the power of stories because of course if they weren't relatable on this individual level then they wouldn't be so powerful right and Mm -hmm. so they have to work on all of these different scales
2: Yeah. yeah but so if the argument is they're used to suppress others to me this is like a the 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 message of it is the opposite of oppression that the jewish nation should open up to others and mm-hmm. as far as like the the uh what it was it called the um you know sharing it only to convert others yeah. i mean to to someone who holds a faith to them that's their truth mm-hmm. and why would they not uh prophesize their, or, or go in uh what do you call it um proselytize like Proselytize—that's the word, yeah. Yeah, because to them it's it's life, right? It's their whole whole existence. Yeah, and not all
1: religions—not all religions are about proselytization, right? Like, Mm -hmm. we we do know that some some have done that, like the ones that we the quote unquote great religions of the world definitely are. You know, got that way because they are predisposed to that in ways that Mm -hmm. other religions are not.
0: Yeah, Mm -hmm. well, I think that. I think that that he, like humans are predisposed towards trying to dominate each other. That's we're much more naturally geared towards dominating each other than we are geared to um the to to coexistence. You know, like that that's in mutual submission. That's not that's not how we operate uh, at our best. But I I, I want to we're getting closer to an hour, and I want to like uh, get this down so. I want to invite everybody back up if you want to to join in because I think that this is an interesting conversation. Um, and again, and again, one of the things that that we're going to point out on this on this, and I think that this helps with what Charles is talking about, is that one of the things I believe about stories and Bible stories, even though I believe that they're true, is that stories are tools, and tools can be used in a good way or in a bad way. And and I think that all of the stories that I'm going to tell on this show. Many of them have been used in really positive, healthy ways to to inspire things like in our century, like the civil rights movement, and our in our history, like like the the anti- the abolitionist movement. And yet, the exact same book, or the exact same canon of stories, was used to justify slavery and to and to try and push down the civil rights movement. So, it, I think that's why it behooves us to just tell the story. What does the story actually say, so that we can? Have a better idea to say to someone you're using the the tool properly or Are you using the tool incorrectly. Now, but I just want to bring everybody out because we got one question that I'm trying to end the show with to try and uh, uh bring it in. And 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 I have so we have three options with the story. And there's not only three, but there's three options that I think that we can do with the story that is ancient and that we can either tame it, which is means like this is kind of scary. We need to push it back down. Um, we can turn it up, like we should be like, we should be paying more attention to this story because it has something to say about who we are and how we operate in the world, or we should toss it and just uh, get rid of it altogether. You know, like that, that. like we should stop telling this story because it's not helping us as humanity. So um, anybody have any thoughts on taming, tossing, turning it up?
1: I've definitely, I'm gonna say the second one where uh you know these stories are really are really important and they're part of you know big kind of cultural heritage for a lot of the world um the taming it of course like i think in your promo video was so interesting like i think that's why this project is is interesting because of course they're tamed so much and then it's very much like as you say these stories can be a tool in the sense of um they're so open and ambiguous that they can be mobilized for different things and Jonah, Jonah's story is really complicated. And yeah, I would say, I wouldn't say toss any of them. I don't know if on your whole show, someone's going to say, just toss something.
0: <laughs> um, we'll probably get to one or two that people will be like, <laughs> there was a lot of the murdering in that story. <laughs>
1: and even then it like, tells us something about, I don't know how people were thinking about murder back then, you know? Yeah. Like, still, there's stories that yeah. are part of one of you
0: know a big cultural
2: tradition so yeah 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 i think my take is yeah it's important however difficult the story not to toss any of them the reason i like christianity is that there's a lot of like wrestling to be done figuring stories out and how they relate to each other and what their what their meaning is because like uh like dan was saying there is a lot of murder stories out there (laughs) which i don't think churches bring up very often but i mean you know, raping and pillaging and all that is is very prevalent. And um, it's if if you're like, I think when which does happen often when uh, biblical stories are misused and appropriated for evil purposes, it's because they're not uh, drawing from the text as a whole, with each story um, having an uh, an existence next to each other. And and within the text, there's Lots of stories about the religious um, the religious corrupt doing exactly that. It's so taking this one story and, and then you know t- twisting or or taking one of the true meanings of it, but not letting it rest next to these uh, these other stories that where the you know, I think the truth lies in the tension and the wrestling as it says with God uh, that you have to contend with. But so that's yeah. I wouldn't. I really like this one, personally. And uh, (laughs) even even if I didn't, I wouldn't want it thrown out.
0: I'm the same way. I'm predisposed to to keeping and investigating everything. But I I do I do yeah. uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna take the last word because it's my show and you all have to listen to me. But uh, so I want to invite some (laughs) other people. To if anybody else wants to say anything, feel free to raise your hand either button
2: or. or but physically. sorry can i just say one thing i don't know how they haven't made movies about nineveh yet because the descriptions you had of how they're <laughs> like tearing down cities and then dusting the bones of their enemies i feel <laughs> yeah. like hollywood or, or hbo would love that yeah i don't get it
0: uh dan carlin if you, any of you listen to dan carlin's podcast he's got a lot of stuff on on Assyria, and he finds them fascinating as well i agree i would love to I would love to write uh, like a four episode HBO series, like The Sopranos, but about the story of Abraham. I think it would be equally as murdery and fascinating, but uh, the reality is that, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I think that there's a real reluctance on some, the part of some Christians to engage with these stories as they're written, you know? Um, one of the things that that you know and and this is where i get a little bit nerdy is like there was a thing that happened in fairy tales a couple hundred years ago roughly call and where a term came in called boulderizing, which is like even like anderson's fairy tales aesop's fairy tales that that what we did was we took all the violence and all of the bad stuff out of these and just kind of left them as these boring generic nice stories where like in the end at the end everyone got candy and uh We've done that with the Bible as well, and and I would argue that we have a, a lesser, not just like a weaker faith, but I would argue a less wise faith. That 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 it it's really important for us to 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 to, to tell these stories with all of their moral ambiguity. Um, that if we if we're people who trust God, and some of us are, some of us don't believe that this God that God exists, whatever. But regardless, this canon of stories was collected intentionally and 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 the fact that it has so much moral ambiguity um deserves to be told and we ought to pay attention to it so um yeah like i think that i think it's uh gonna be (laughs) interesting to uh i think i think it's really interesting and 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 i we're coming up on time so i i really want to thank everybody for this because i want this to be a podcast that someday makes me money and you need to be within an hour in order to do that. So um, I wanna thank everybody for being here for this uh, and tune in next week. Uh, Noor Hadidi is gonna be here. Uh, really great, amazing comedian is gonna be here. She's from Toronto and, uh, and a smart person that I, Noor is smart, but like a, a verified smart person that I don't know who they are yet. Um, so yeah, I just wanna say thank you Shama for being here. You were awesome. We'll have you back again. Thank you, Charles, for being here. We'll see. And then (laughs) and uh and I just want to thank everybody else for being here and showing up. And uh and um yeah, we'll uh hopefully see you next Wednesday. Invite your friends. So uh yeah. Thank you guys.